let's return to Westchester Eye on the Radio with Peter Moses on 1460 WVOX. All right, everybody. Good afternoon. This is this is Charlie Stern on Westchester Eye on the Radio. This is WVOX 1460 AM. Uh, my co-hosts are Peter Moses and Ardina Seward. And uh, we're back with Catherine Parker, who is the majority leader of the Westchester County Board of Legislators? Was. Last term, I served as majority leader. And then this term, because I was running for Congress, I mean, to be fair to my colleagues, this is kind of a another full-time job that I've added <laughs> to my roster of things that I'm doing. Right. Um, I am now chairing a committee and not acting as majority leader. Okay. And, but this is your third term on the Board of Legislators? Fourth. Fourth term. Yes. Okay. So, um, and, and you're, you're District covers Harrison, Mamaroneck, New Rochelle, and Rye, mm-hmm. right, which are all within the 17th congressional district, which you're running for. Nope, nope, just just Harrison. The rest is in Elliott Engels district in 16. So you got a small sliver. I do. of the 17th congressional district. Yep, and you got to get your name out there in the entire rest of that region. And that's which right. Crosses a river. Yeah, but you know, here's the interesting thing. Because of the work that I've done at the county and in leadership at the county and in leadership, uh, certainly on the political spectrum, uh, you know, a lot of people in other areas of Westchester have known me for years and primarily because of the work that I've done on environmental issues. You know, my friends up in Cortland and Peekskill, when I was up there with them trying to uh, push for an an independent risk assessment on the expansion of the natural gas pipeline right by Indian Point, Mm -hmm. they remember the the work I was doing back in 2014. Right. So you've done some work that kind of cuts across. So shameless plug here. I want to mention my own website, redbluetalk.com, because it relates. You're running in a great crowded field, a small busload of people running for this congressional seat. I think it's about 10 people. I created a spreadsheet. Go to redbluetalk.com. You can see right there. Click on the homepage, and you'll get a spreadsheet that spells out exactly who's running um, and some basic background information on each candidate. So there, I've made my shameless plug. Um, <laughs> and I, I will just say this. Yes. You know, there's no Chelsea Clinton on that list, right, right no, Charlie? No, no, no. She so was, in a great, she was have, great out early on. Yeah. So as far as the field goes. There's no I, Rob Astorino on there either. Yeah. No, as far but as the field goes. He's running for something else. Yes. To yeah. to name recognition, <laughs> believe it or not, my name uh, again because of a lot of things that I've done Westchester County wide and even on environmental issues having to do with the Hudson River yep. that affected Rockland County. I actually have pretty good name recognition. So I've got a um, inside baseball question for sure. you. When you run against ten people, and you say it's a full time job. Yep. You're one of the things you got to do. You got to collect. In New York State, you have to collect signatures. Yeah, uh, it's called a petition. Yes, and it tells the state that uh, I've I've got support That's and I right. want to be on the ballot. Right. That's right. So, yes. So how do ten people get one thousand two hundred and fifty <laughs> signatures that don't overlap? <laughs> do I have work? no idea how the, each. the other nine people are doing it, but we have a good base of volunteers that are carrying our petitions <coughs> in, in the district, and I am not worried. We're gonna we're gonna have that number and some. Have you ever knocked on a door and had them say someone was just here? Not yet, and that tells me another interesting thing. Are you collecting your own petitions? Or are you carrying I'm, petitions I'm with always, other candidates? I'm always going with, uh, oh, well, other candidates as far as for um, other other offices. offices. Yes. Right. I, you, no, we're taking some some others. Um, I'm helping uh, Kristen Browdy, who is running for uh, state assembly. And, uh, and is one of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, but when I've been going door to door, it's been really interesting. Uh, I, I've been going with people that are known in their community right. and we get to the door and I have to be honest with you, you guys are on the inside. There's a whole lot of people in Westchester that have no idea that there are people running, how many people are running in this race. I even met a guy over the weekend who didn't know that Nita Lowy was retiring and said to me, yeah, she's been there like, what, like 10, 10, 15 years? Yeah, more like 30. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so you know, it's been it's been good so far. Right, so right, good. right. And collecting signatures is a form of campaigning, right? Because you get I enjoy to tell it. Your story. I actually think it's great. You know, being able to like meet people where where they are, and you know, I always like to ask a question. You know, what what issue they care most about, and and um, if I can interrupt for a second. But speaking speaking of, of of wanting to know your your district, you don't live in the seventeenth district. Nope. So, but I can walk my but, dog but, to the district. But but <laughs> but the thing, but the whole point is that you don't live in that district, and also. You, if you, what does want. that matter? Chris, well, Kirsten Gillibrand is our is our U.S. senator. Does she live anywhere near Westchester? No, she does not, and she serves this community very well. Chuck Schumer, he lives in Brooklyn. Does he not serve a, us well? They, they, but, those are U.S. senators. Those are, they but, live, in the, they live in the district. But, but, but the point, but, that, but the but, point I, go, go ahead. Finish so, it. so New York, according to federal law, you just have to be a New York resident. I literally. And I wasn't kidding when I say I can walk my dog to the district. And keep in mind this, that up until 2011, I did live in Nita Lowy's district. In 2011, a judge made a uh, decision that after 23 years of Rye getting representation by Nita Lowy, that no longer was she going to be our congressperson. So... When it comes to knowing the district, I know the district very, very well. But you're going to inherit. You, you, you're, you're operating out of right. You're going to inherit a district such as the 17th district, which is 50,000 Hasids, 60% of Portchester is Lat- is Latino, and roughly 35% of Spring Valley is Haitian. But Alana, that's that's like. It, that's a great argument for somebody who has had no government experience. But how much experience do you have in those communities? I have 12 years of experience as an elected official where I actually was the majority leader to push the Immigrant Protection Act and get that passed for Westchester County. And that was something that I was championing when Rob Astorino was county executive and one of the reasons why he is no longer county executive and as far as the jewish community you could ask uh members in the jewish community you know we have i have great relationships with elliot forsheimer uh from the westchester jewish council uh you know I've been there for the Jewish community when during the time when uh, this past um, Hanukkah, when there was the horrible stabbing out in Muncie. And uh, I was the first person from the Board of Legislators after Donald Trump was elected in November of 2016. I noticed a huge rise in anti-Semitic incidents. So... I reached out and I sent a letter to the county executive asking him to beef up the Human Rights Commission. But actually, well, when we get to the other side of the break, uh, I want to talk about the the female Republican candidate from the Hasidic community that is running against you. And we're going to get to that on the other side of the break. We'll cover that right on the other side of the break. Thank you, everybody. Westchester Eye on the radio. We will be right back. 1460 WVOX 
And we are back to do it all over again. Thanks for staying with us, folks. We are into our second half hour of Westchester Eye on the Radio. I am Mardina Seward, along with Peter Moses, Charles Stern, and our guest today is Catherine Parker, who wants to replace Nita Lowy in the 17th Congressional, congressional District in New York. Um, we had talked about before the break a 25-year-old young Hasidic woman who will be your competition. What do you have to offer that she doesn't? Real hair? Well, uh, experience, again, I mean, 25, she is old enough to run. Again, you know, federal law says you have to be 25 years old to, to be a congressperson. Look, I don't think she's married, any, Peter. Any, I, I realize I shouldn't have said that. Any of the communities that make up the 17th district, uh, what somebody has done already that has put, you know, one of the candidates on on their radar has helped a community, has been involved with an organization. Those are the type of things, you know, building coalitions, building interests. Somebody like that who parachutes in. I mean, look, we have a couple of other candidates that have parachuted in from California and from Washington, D.C., and really don't have a much of a footprint in the district. At the end of the day... She will siphon off votes from, from other that, candidates. Yeah, yeah, that's possibly true. That is possibly true. But, you know, I don't... I mean, she's running as a Republican, so it would yeah. only be in the general election. And don't forget the general election. I mean, because Trump is at the top of the ticket, this is going to have every single person registered. And, you know, Democrats are going to be coming out like we probably haven't seen in an, a century. And I mean, Hussids may switch parties and become Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. Because they like Trump. At least yes, the, Sot, yeah. the Sotmar seem to like him. Yeah. Now speaking, I, I, there's one the more question. There's one more question I, I want to get the in. Uh, speaking of uh, our, our favorite Trump, Trump has pulled the funds for flood mitigation in yeah, the Maranek. I hate him and for that. It's, it's, I mean, you, you're, you're, you, you're campaigning on, on climate change yep. and, and uh, as an environmentalist. But Mar- I grew up in Maranek. Maranek has flooded forever. Yeah. Administrations have come and gone. Everybody has promised and nothing has been, well, I'm, I won't say nothing has been done. Little has been done. And for the streets that are on the river, their property values consistently, consistently drop. And, at, you know, at that area, that section of America is not a wealthy area. Yeah. So here's so the what's, really what's sad thing about that. This could have been like, it was a story of good government because we had bipartisan support right after 2007 to get this done. I mean, on the local level, we've had di- had different administrations in Mimarinek where you had some Republicans, some Democrats. On the county level, you had some Republicans, some Democrats. On the federal level, you had both parties, everybody doing everything to make this project happen. Because potentially, we're talking about a loss of life from that project. When we're, we're talking about Washingtonville and the flats of Mimarinic, where we have a lot of people of color, the housing is, is not terrific. You can really have a serious situation where you have first floor flooding and um, basement apartments, that's serious. Uh, the project had been green lighted every step of the way it was literally shovel ready and the mayor of mimarinic uh 
a couple of months ago now at this point had, you know, reached out and said, hey, you know, this is funny. I haven't heard any word on when this is going to actually, you know, where are they? Where's this project? And I had somebody on my staff who, thank goodness, you know, was doing really like putting the Army Corps of Engineers um, asking, you know, why is this not happening? And then this letter materialized that was dated a year earlier, but it had only just arrived at the Army Corps of Engineers. That was from uh, the president's office saying that this project was no longer deemed a good return on investment. Wait, you lost me for a second. You're saying a letter arrived a year later? Yes, that is correct. How is that? That is absolutely correct. I meant what I said. The letter was dated 2018, and the Army Corps of Engineers only got it in December of 2019. Crazy, right? And this, again, was a project that even through the U.S. Senate, where they can't seem to agree on anything, you had everybody agreeing, we needed to do this project. It's just really... a you but know, but how does that move forward? I mean, you have people whose whose house, I think, whose yeah. house, property value is dropping as we speak, and it's just status quo. Right. So what we have to do is change up who's in the White House in November of 2020, because every other step, all the T's were crossed, all the I's were dotted. Everything had happened to make this project ready. It was ready to move. And the president from his office said, nope, we don't see this has a good return on investment any longer. But as a congressperson, I mean, if 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 God forbid he wins again, as a congressperson that has that where that is part of the district, what how how do you remedy this? Well, I think thank goodness we're gonna. Um, I'll be in Congress. I think after President Trump is already gone, I'm pretty convinced of that. I, I know that's she's, not what she asked. Uh, the our current Congress people don't have an answer for you today, and so let's see what happens after the November election because that actually has everything to do with my answer. If if God forbid that we have President Trump in the White House, yeah, I'm going to be going to Washington anyway, looking to build coalitions on a lot of different things. Obviously, we would have to try uh, to figure out. What's plan B if it's not this? You know what I find interesting, Ardina, uh, and, and everybody else in the room, Catherine and Charles, and we have two other guests in the room. Um, the governor of Montana today, uh, or yesterday, announced that he's running for Senate. And if he wins, that turns a Republican seat Democratic. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. are some other Senate candidates on the Democratic side who may dislodge sitting Republicans. Mm -hmm. So my, what, what I, when I was listening to you, you can't answer until you see what happens with Trump. Um, I think the other mitigating factor will be if the Senate turns Democratic, that might force some change in, in how Trump operates because he's had this bully pulpit with the Senate with Mitch McConnell and with uh, most of the, almost every, actually every Republican senator who's running again and who's in office now, um, except for the guy in Utah, except for Mitt Romney, um, that may change things. Yeah. That may open things up a little bit. Right. Anyway. To my point that the 2020 election is going to really decide what's the next step. Well, I think everybody has to have a plan B in case he gets back, in case he gets back in. I mean, everything is fine if he if he does not get back in, but what do you do in lieu of the fact that he remains president? Right, and to Peter's point, there's also the Senate elections, and so, as I said, my, my plan B is also 
for for many different uh, issues that I think are really important to the district. We haven't even started talking about climate change and why I think there are other other things that could be happening that give opportunity. Um, I think that those uh, issues we have to build coalitions uh, in government. That's that's part of how government succeeds. And so that will be part of my job as Congresswoman uh, will be building those coalitions so we can we can do lots of things and uh, you get buy in, um, you know, across the aisle. One more. I have one more question. And speaking of to, to the point of, of coalitions, the Westchester privatization of the Westchester County Airport, mm. which has been the arguments going on, been going on forever and ever and ever. And I believe that your stand was against privatization mm-hmm. until you were able to really look at it from all sides. No. Where does that stand now? Where, where is that? <laughs> um, so to to my my stand on uh, a private partnership for the airport was, well, we currently have one and we've had one for the last 60 years at the airport. We have a private company that manages the airport. But what was proposed by under the prior county executives administration was a big expansion of what we currently have. And that from the very beginning, I was opposed to. And I thank our current county executive. That's off the table. We have not not in two years, there has been no more discussion of that. And what he, he's been he, looking he at. he recently discussed it. Well, what he's, what he's done is he has uh, gone back to get a better master plan, a master plan that actually takes into consideration what the people of Westchester really want from their airport. What are the okay. issues well, that look, they care about? Let, let's, look, let, let's look at that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Westchester Eye on the radio, folks. If you want to call in, 914-636-0110. Stay with us for our final 15 minutes, and we'll see you in a few. Okay, this is Westchester Eye on the Radio. I'm Peter Moses with our Dean of Stewart and Charles Stern. This is our final quarter hour with Catherine Parker. But before we continue, we have we know who's coming on next week. Someone else who's running for Congress. Yes, Peter, it's going to be a very exciting interview on Monday, the 16th of March. We've got Allison Fine who is another one of the 10 candidates running for New York 17. Why will it be exciting? <laughs> well, because I think she's uh, an interesting candidate. We haven't heard from her before. Is she a uh, bullion? She, she is a uh, former president of NARAL, which is a uh, pro-choice organization. Uh, Na- I believe she was the national president of NARAL. Um, she's the uh, leader of a Jewish congregation in Westchester. Is and, it in Tarrytown uh, or something like that? Uh, it's somewhere in the northern part of the county. Yes. And uh, we'll see what she so has to say. So you don't have that going for you. You're not the head of any no. Jewish organizations, Catherine. Although I have to tell you, like during during uh, December, I was because of again the um, the incident in Muncie with the the, um, the, the machete ch- uh, the attack that there were all these different um, get-togethers, and I was in Temple. I remember the week after I went to three different congregations in Temple and uh, somebody said to me, you know, that that if you go three times, that makes you an honorary Jew. So I said, I'll take that. You know? I never well, heard that. There is something about <laughs> Catherine Parker that I read about on the internet that had you on the national stage at one point. Yes. 
She was an American Idol? Yeah, not American <laughs> Idol. Uh, Kathy Parker, I guess you were a winner, a winning contestant. Yeah. On um, who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? Indeed, that is correct. My campaign manager, who's sitting in this, is looking at me with great horror, like, "What? What? How did that not come up in our conversation before?" Yes, that is true. I won fifty thousand dollars back in uh, two thousand ten. Was when it aired, right? And uh, how did yeah. that come about? Like, what? What? The, you know, you were on the board of legislators at the time, right? No, no, I was. Well, I was on the Rice City Council. Okay, and um, I happened to like trivia, and right. um, I had. Uh, I, I applied for the show and I had p- applied like two years earlier and they say that there's like a two year window and literally I think we were coming right up to the end of that window and I got a call. Was Meredith Fierro yes, doing the show? Yes, she was, oh, she wow. was doing the show and I got a call on, uh, you know, I was cooking dinner. It was like 630 at night and they were like, can you be here at the studio by 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. Oh, and by the way, we're going to send you a 12-page questionnaire and with like paragraph questions about your life because we're going to like create a, wow. you know, what your life story is. Yeah, and so I was up to like midnight doing that, sent that off, went down, and then did, did the show. Great fun. All right, sounds like you did pretty well. Well, I, I have a non-trivial question, okay. if I may. Um, and you might want to phone a friend when you hear that. <laughs> but the question is this, you know, in this 17th congressional district, you have um, one of the worst school districts in the United States of America. Has a monitor. In East Ramapo. Yeah. Um, and you've also got Porchester, right, which also has some issues. Back to back with Harrison, which is, you know, uh, what anyone in the world would want yeah. for their kid. For a school district in Harrison, where they're spending thirty-one thousand dollars a year per child, in Portchester, nineteen thousand dollars a year per child, you wind up in Congress. What are you going to do about that kind of yeah. economic disparity between these school districts? So, first of all, I'm so glad that you brought up the school district in Portchester because one of the things that I really admire about Portchester School District is that they have uh, what's what's deemed under the federal program as a community school, because that's the um, Thomas Edison School, which uh, from my understanding in Porchester has the um, the most children that need, uh, a, you know, um, breakfast, High lunch. needs kids. What's that? High needs kids. High needs kids. And com- the community as a whole is high needs. Mm-hmm. There are, are a lot of immigrant families um, they, but those immigrants' families saved the Porchester schools. Yeah. They demanded that they get decent teachers. They demanded that the schools in the white sections of Porchester be expanded. I went to one of those expand. Right. Right. I went to King Street School, which is considered the, you know. Um, but we're funding those schools but, for 66 cents but, for every dollar we spend that's in Harrison. True. So what, why yeah. don't we pass a federal law that evens that out? Well, they, so they get a. Um, a lot of extra funding from the federal government to be one of these community schools because they're they're open almost seven days a week. They're providing English as a second language to the families. Uh, They also have a dental, a mobile dental uh, unit that comes in. They have a a clinic. The Open Door actually has a clinic within the school. I mean, it really is completely comprehensive. And so does... And yet it's still $12,000 Dis- yeah, because they got more. They got more federal funding for that, but the Ossining and Peekskill are also community. That doesn't make schools. any sense. What you just said. I, um, 
they get more money to be. No, I understand that, that, but there's still twelve thousand dollars a kid Difference. behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so two things. So his question One, was. How do you bridge that gap? Right. Well, I started with talking about the Portchester schools because I do think that the community uh, schools program on the federal level is a great program. We have a couple of others within Westchester County that are in that. And uh, what they end up providing, um, soup to nuts, is a great education. That's a great school. Now, to your other part of that question, which is how do you level the playing field between communities when your property taxes are what actually ends up funding a good deal of the school district. Um, you know, that's the majority of our property taxes are going to pay the school district. And well, it's funny, my mother lives in a house that's worth maybe a little more than half of what my house is worth in White Plains, and her taxes are higher than mine. But it is, isn't, are we gonna have the same kind of dynamic happening in a town like Mount Kisco? which has a large Central American population with kids that have special needs. Same with us. Awesome. So it, it, and there have been some some, uh, uh, some complaints about the number of kids that are coming in, the the health care facilities, that the health issues that those kids have. And just, and, and well, I, I, again, I just to repeat what I just said about Porchester schools, I think it's a fantastic model of what they have with the community schools. Um, and it, that's only one of the elementary schools, by the way, the Edison Elementary School. Now, to the bigger question, it's really the tax parity issue that New York State, and particularly here, we are a feeder for the federal government. I mean, we send far more money than we get back in taxes. Right. And if only we had a fairer share that could go to our schools where they really need more help than just on property well, taxes. Charles's question is, is how it, can you help change that? Wasn't I just answering that? Well, I got one more for you. So <laughs> really let's suppose, say somebody comes along <laughs> and they say, you know what, we want we want options for parents in East Ramapo. Um, and they come along with a charter school proposal. You're a U.S. congressman. Would you sign a letter of recommendation for that? Uh, I'm not a fan of charter schools. Uh, and I will also say that the bigger issue is the tax issue that we are paying out far more on property taxes. And with that cap now on our property taxes, it is even gone that much more extreme. And that's what we really need to be fighting. And I can tell you that's what I'm gonna be doing when I get to Congress is, uh, again, building a coalition. And my my when I was majority leader, the minority leader, John Testa, can tell you that on day one, I gave him a book the Gipper, uh, Tip in the Gipper, written by Chris Matthews about uh, Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill and how they had this friendship. And I said, you know, John, this is how you and I are going to be able to govern well and manage to get things done. And we really did. And we had almost, an, you know, for the course of two years, we passed a lot of bipartisan legislation. Uh, didn't didn't really have any any fights over over anything. We we agreed to disagree on a few items, but we, we were very very civil and got along very well. And I know that I can bring that to Washington. And frankly, that's what we are desperately in need of: somebody that can go to Washington and really try to pull together some people that a, you can it, get by. It's in. an interesting example because it's that same bipartisan spirit uh, during the Bush administration that got charter schools moving. So I'm surprised that you're, in that respect, using that as an example, um, but you seem to be opposed to school choice. I, I think charter schools, unfortunately, end up taking a lot of 
resources from our public school system, and and that I think is unfortunate. Yeah, but the Hussit, the Hussits in East Ramapo uh, have uh, virtually destroyed the public schools there um, with their private. It, it, it's a mess, and this is a mess that's not going to go away in a week. Uh, I want to thank you, Catherine Parker, for well, appearing right here. Thank you, thank you, you everybody. You, you faced some tough questions. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I had no doubt you were going to be well, had, would have done your homework, so I really enjoyed the conversation. We'll be back next week with, who is her name again? Allison Fine. That's it. AM.